church so that they can learn how to come alive through the power of Christ. And I'm really excited about that. And the, the point of invitation, be invited, they make a great point on the video. So many people would be willing to come to church if we took the time to invite them. But you know, the sad thing is, is 
We get so busy sometimes and we get in the midst of the same people sometimes that we forget to invite people. We forget to just simply say, hey, would you like to come to our church? Would you like to try this out? And, and we forget. So I want to encourage you to take the initiative this week to say, I want to invite some people to church. I want to invite some people so that they might change their entire, not that they, but that God Almighty might change their entire life from this point out. You know, that's all it takes is one time for them to encounter God, and it completely changes them forever. And, and, and I was just talking to somebody last week, Miss Wanda Johnson. She joined our church last week. Amen. And she was telling me her story. And she didn't grow up in church, and it wasn't even it's near recent, I think 10 or so years ago. And, and, and someone had invited her to come to church, and she said, no, no. Someone invited her, no. And the same person kept inviting her, she kept saying no. And the same person just said, hey, well, can we have lunch together? And she said, well, we could do that, I guess. After a while, they eventually had lunch. And then after a while, she grew this relationship with this woman. And then the woman said, hey, how about you still come to church? And it took a little bit, but eventually Wanda said yes. And she came to a church there in Las Vegas where she lived. And her life was changed forever. And not only this, but Miss Wanda, if y'all don't know, is a recent widow in the last year. And her husband came to know the Lord Jesus right before he died. Amen. Now, if that woman would have never invested into Wanda, inviting her to come to church, inviting her, inviting her. I'm scared to think of what might have happened. And that's the type of power that is in us, that God has granted us with, that privileged us with, by a simple invite of saying, hey, would you like to come to church this week? And not only that, but would you like to talk about Jesus? If they're afraid to come to church, talk about Jesus to them. Say, who is Jesus to you? Let's get this community on fire for the Lord Jesus by simply telling them about Jesus. This week, you're probably wondering why in the world are we turning to the New Testament and Ephesians because we're supposed to be in Daniel. Well, I'm wondering the same thing. <laughs> because I had planned to do Daniel chapter 5 and Daniel 6, and I was working on it, working on it, working on it. And, and next thing I know, I'm like, ah, Lord, what are you doing here? And so then he took me to Ephesians. And so we're in Ephesians to prepare for this series coming up, this Come Alive series. You'll see where it connects. I think the Lord did this. I don't think. I know the Lord did this. And so what essentially happened is in Daniel, Daniel chapter 1 through 4, we got the mini-series of Nebuchadnezzar. That's all Nebuchadnezzar. You see Nebuchadnezzar through there, 1 through 4. There you go. You got the mini-series. 5, the handwriting's on the wall. Then 6, you have them thrown in the lines. Then, and then you have a lot of visions and dreams. You should read it. It's good stuff. And if you have questions, you can talk to me about it. But we're moving on to come alive. What it means to come alive. So turn your Bibles to chapter 1 of Ephesians in the New Testament. And I want to talk about God's power. God's power toward us as believers. What does that mean? What does it mean to have this power? What does it mean for God to be powerful? Because if you think about it, there's not too, there are people, but there's not too many people that when you talk about God, they don't associate power with it. It's a given for most people that when you say God, there is power there. If not, what would be the purpose of that God in a sense, right? If you're just thinking about it from a practical standpoint, even someone that thinks the word God thinks of power because that's the type of power God has. He's powerful. You think about creation in which he spoke into existence. The power. In, in Hebrews 1.3, he talks about how he holds the world together. 
By the power, by the word of his power is what it says. By the word of his power. God is powerful. I'm going to try this, church. Are you listening to me this morning? God is powerful. There we go. Now we're listening. I know we had a big breakfast. I know we had some pancakes. I know we had some sausage and eggs. But y'all are not going to fall asleep on me this morning. We got something important to talk about. God is powerful. Let's look at the scripture this morning. Chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. Listen here. Making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and is exceedingly greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Chapter 2, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, when, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself it is a gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Heavenly Father, your word has just been written. The very word in which you inspired that is invaluable, that is an errant Lord, the very voice of you, Jesus, has just been read in this building. And Father, as we listen to it, we understand a power that you possess, Lord. Lord, the power it took to even get this word to us thousands of years later, Jesus. Lord, this word is powerful because you are powerful, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we see your power in a new light this morning. Father, I pray that we experience your power in a new light this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that your power shakes this place this morning, Jesus. Lord, let your power reign, Lord. Let it reign amongst us in here today. Lord, as we abide your word and this truth that is before us, I pray that you apply it and prick our hearts as you will, Lord. Lord, let us see what it is 
that you have granted us this power. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The key to this passage comes through verses 17 through 19. When you read this passage, you see what he's talking about here. Paul is praying for the Ephesians. Look at it one more time with me. Chapter 1, go down to verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Let's stop there. So what is this whole thing about? First off, it's tough to take a section of Ephesians and preach it. Let me just tell you that. Because Ephesians is one continual thought. When you read it through, it's all connected. It's just a short chapter and short several chapters here. And he connects it all together with this wonderful woven thought. But I want to attempt this this morning because I want you to see the power here. What is he praying? He's praying that God might reveal himself to them. It's simple. That's what he's praying. That God would reveal. It says that, that the spirit of wisdom, that he might give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That he might reveal in the knowledge of him. So that's the prayer here. That he might reveal the knowledge of him. And later on you see that the Holy Spirit has promised to do that. And how the Holy Spirit reveals God to us. And so that's later on in the book. But that's the central point here. Why? Why does Paul pray this? Well, let me tell you why. Because what happens when God reveals himself to us? You start to see something, don't you? It changes you. It changes who you are. It changes the way you walk. It changes the way you live. When God reveals himself to you, you are no longer the same person. Praise God. I'm glad I'm not the same person I used to be. Because of the grace of Jesus, I'm different. And it's because he revealed himself to me personally. And so he's praying that that would happen because when we personally get revealed who God is, it changes us. It makes us different. But not only that, but when we get this revelation of who God is, it changes us as a body. It's a corporate body of believers. We change in the way we understand who God is, what that means for our lives, but also what that means for our church. You see, when he reveals himself, it's not only just for me and you personally, it's for us as a corporate body. When he reveals himself, it's not just for us as a corporate body, it's for this community. When he reveals himself, it's not just for the community, it's for the greater community. When he reveals himself to the greater community, it's not just for the greater community, it's for the state, for the world. Are you with me? That is the power of God. He is a revealer. He reveals who he is. Amen. To us personally, to us as a church, to us as a community, to a state, to a nation, to a world. You go as far as you want. That is who God is. He reveals himself for the implications of each one of those. Praise God for his power this morning, church. Praise God for his power. I have a vision that our church will be a church that sees the benefits of this prayer as well. I have a vision that we as a church will be one that furthers the kingdom of God. If it wasn't so, he wouldn't have you here and he wouldn't have me here. And he wouldn't be here. He's got a purpose here to further his kingdom. And he is using us to do it. Praise Jesus. Amen. He's using us to further this kingdom. And I'm so excited. I have a vision that we will be used for that. I have a vision that this community, the Blackfootians, Whatever you want to call them, that these people around here, 
even to Palestine and Athens, wherever you want to put them, I have a vision that God is going to further his kingdom in this community. Amen. And I believe he'll do the same for our state and for our nation. When we bow down before Almighty God and we start obeying Him and doing as He says to do in His Word and live in a life that He wants us to live, I have a vision that this world will be changed. Is that too much to say this morning, church? I don't think it is. Are you putting God in a box? Because if you say, oh, I don't know about that, Pastor. you seen where our nations went. Have you seen our community, the drugs that might be here? Have you seen what He's doing to some of these families? Have you seen some of the separation we're dealing with? Oh, let me tell you something. If you're making those statements, get God out of your box. Because he don't belong there. God is a powerful God. And I'm excited about what he's doing here. I love this prayer. But as you've noticed, I'm taking note to a specific part of it in verse 19. When it says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. This power is what I want to talk about today. This power in which he gives to those who believe. What does this power look like? What does it mean to have this power? What does it look like? How is it, excuse me, how is it manifested? How, how do we use this power? What does that mean? What does it look like? You're talking, Pastor, about power, power, power in the name of Jesus. You're talking, I hear it. But what does it mean? Well, that's what I want to look at today. What does this power mean to you? What does it mean to me? How do we tap into this power? Well, let's first look at the nature of the power. The very nature. What makes up the power of God? What makes him so powerful? What is the nature of so the first point, the nature of God's power toward believers. Look at verse 19. Let's read it one more time. It's just too good not to. Verse 19 says, And what is, ex what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So this nature of God's power. You know what it tells me when I read that section we just read? What it tells me about this power? Here's what it tells me, church. Here's what it tells you. That this power in which is given, granted privilege to me and to you, this power that God has given to those who believe is the same power, catch this, is the same power which worked in Christ Jesus. Oh, did you catch it? The same power that works in us as believers of Jesus Christ is the same power that worked in Jesus. When God raised them from the dead, it was that power that I'm talking about. When God exalted him, just like it says, exalted Christ to sit at his right hand, that power. When God put all things in subjection, all things under his authority to Christ, it was in that power. And it's in that power that we operate in. Has it sunk in, church? Has this sunk in? That, do, you, do you really catch this? I don't want to leave this. This power I'm talking about. You think about the power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead. 
The power it took to take a crucified man that was on a cross and breathe his last breath because of suffocation. That's how they died on the crosses. They suffocated. And he, last breath goes. The man died. Our Lord and Savior died. But he raised. He didn't stay dead. The power it took to take this man that had just breathed his last breath, and then the power it took to take that man and make the tomb empty because he raised from the dead, this is the power of God. The power it took to take a man that was just humiliated in front of all the people there. They hung people on a cross to humiliate him, to spit on him, to, to, to torture him. Here he is in front of all being tortured and humiliated. He's raised to sit at the right hand of God, raised to sit in the most powerful seed in the universe, this power it took to raise and exalt Jesus. My stars, church, this power, oh, not only that, but to make everything subject to him, everything in heaven, everything on earth. To be under his authority that one day every knee and every name, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That power. I think you're getting it. This is the power God has given me and given you. You thought you were going to get a nap this morning, didn't you? It's not going to work. The power God has given. You see, here's the point. God doesn't say... I have this awesome power in which I possess, in which I use, and I do all these things, and, and, and it's just miraculous, which he does. But he doesn't say, I have all this, and I give you a weaker power. I give you something more you can handle. That would make more sense to me. I'm thinking if I was God, I'd give us something that we can't mess things up with. Oh, no. He doesn't say that. He says, I, I have this. And I don't give you a weaker power, a less voltage of a power. I don't give that to you. I give you the same power I work with. Whoa! Are you kidding me? The power of God. God is God, and God's power is God's power. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen? His power. You see the same power that was working in Moses when Moses went before Pharaoh? As an outlaw, as someone that just killed a man, he goes before Pharaoh and, and the Lord uses his power amongst Moses to send down the plagues. That power I'm talking about. That power that it took when Joshua has his hands outstretched and the sun is standing still. For a whole day, the power that it took to do that. The power it took to split the Red Sea and hold the waters to the sides so that they can walk on dry land. This power I'm talking about, church, I want you to understand it. It's the power that, that Gideon's army had when they defeated all those people. This power that Christ had when he looked at Lazarus and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus raised from the dead. The power that the, they had when the demons left and departed because they called them out of them. The power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead and defeat death is the power we possess. How can that be? Isn't that humbling that we possess this type of power? Are you still not convinced? You might say, well, Pastor, have we been raised from the dead? 
I haven't experienced this power. Have, I, have we been raised from the dead? Have we been exalted to sit with Christ? I mean, I don't understand, Pastor. What are you talking about with this power? Well, I'm here to tell you, I believe we have, church. I believe we have been raised from the dead. Look at the next point here today. God's power in our conversion. In our conversion, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, I want to take a moment and look at the power in that. Look with me, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? We were dead. We were dead. We were dead. Do I need to say it again? We were dead in sin and trespasses. Look what it says. And we walked, or in another sense, we lived accordingly. We walked and we lived accordingly to the course of the world and the manner of the world. We talked about Daniel separating himself and being different from the world. He purposed in his heart not to defile himself. But no, he's saying that, that once there was a time in which we didn't do that. There was a time in which we walked and lived according to the ways of the world. Have you been there, church? I've been there. And you have too. In which we were dead to our trespasses and sin. In which we... We, we walked or lived according to the prince of the power of the air. Satan is what it's talking about here. In the sons of disobedience, we conducted our lives in the lust of flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind, what we want. By nature, we were children of wrath, just as others. What he's saying here is we were hopeless. We were, let me say it again, dead. I think as a church, We've separated the physical sense and spiritual sense too much. And we have spiritual and we have physical to the extent of we don't realize the significance and the weight and the gravity of both. Because I want you to understand something. You know, we have a cemetery right over here. You know, six feet under, there are dead corpses right next to us. Are you with me? I'm being frank this morning. We are no different than that dead corpse before Jesus Christ. We're just walking in a sense of, of going around the world, but we are no different. We are dead in sin and trespasses. I know that's Frank Church, but that is the truth. That is the gospel message that we are dead before Jesus Christ. But listen to the glory of his love that goes on in the scripture. Listen to the glory that comes here in the next several verses. Verse four, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, dead in trespasses. Oh, listen here. Listen. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He didn't leave us dead. 
While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, His mercy was so rich. And His love for us was so great that even while we were sinners, even while we were dead, He came to give His life for me and for you. That we might be made alive. You know the, the series coming up? What is it called? Come alive, right, Brother Mark? Come alive. It's talking about the Palm Sunday, the Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Come alive. Why? Because Christ makes us alive. Thank you, Jesus. That he makes us alive. Though we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive by his grace. The same power it takes, the same power it took to raise Christ from his death is the same power it takes to raise us from ours. Before Jesus came into our life, we were dead. And when he comes and we surrender and accept him as Lord and, Jesus, Lord and Savior of our life, we are made alive. We are exalted to sit with Christ. Verse 6 says he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places, the spiritual realm in a sense, in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful thing. Christ loves us so much that he promises us a seat to sit with him. The Holy Spirit indwells inside of us, and so we have the, the, the presence of God in the midst of us. And, and after the rapture, we'll sit with Christ at that right hand. What a wonderful thing that is, church. What a wonderful thing. And he has done that for us. Has it sunk in? Are you as excited as I am about the power of God? For some reason, I want you to listen to me. For some reason, we come to church all these years. And we're here, and we hear these things. And it's like, yeah, God created the world. Yeah, he did. God raised from the dead. Yeah, he did. Are you kidding me? Is that all it gets? I want you to know something. Y'all don't see your faces, but I do. <laughs> I see them. Every one of them. On Christmas cantata, I preached. But the choir was up there and had sung, you remember? And they, had, they, they stood there while I was preaching. They were watching my back while I was preaching. But you want to know something funny? They came up to me afterwards. And they said, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. You see everything up there. You can literally see everything. Yeah? I can. But their faces... Their faces, are they paying attention? And I don't say this to, to, to down you. I say this because we get in this rut of coming to church, hearing these things, and we become numb to a sense of, yep, there's the good news. The good news should always require a better response than yes. Amen. We should rejoice and be excited about the news we hear about Jesus. This power I'm telling you about today, oh, well, let me tell you, if you had a mirror, I think your faces would perk up a little bit. Because Jesus is worthy of a rejoicing. He's worthy. And I thank you for rejoicing with me this morning. The power that he gave Christ is the power that he gives us. The power that raised him from spiritual death is the same power that raised us from spiritual death. He gave us new life, exalted us. No lesser power could have made us alive in that sense. Here's the thing. Here's what it is. Here's the, here's the agreement we get with God. God, I'll give you, I'll exchange with you my power. I'll exchange with you my power. The power that is limited, the power that, that messes everything up in my world, the power that causes grief, 
the power that causes pain and guilt and shame and resentment, this power that I have, God, I'll give it to you for exchange of your power that is limitless, that gives love, joy, and peace and understanding. This, this power that forgives, this power that loves in the sense of, of, of just beyond our comprehension. Oh, I'll change it for that. When you hear it put that way, does it make any sense not to? That's all he's calling us to do, to exchange our power. Lord, I give you reins. Take control of my life. I surrender to you as Lord and Savior. And you give up your power for his power. Look at the next point here. God's power in Christian living. You see, his power doesn't stop at conversion. Isn't that a beautiful thing? How the power I've been telling you about that converted us, that changed us from a dead man to a living man or woman, it doesn't stop. The power is promised through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit. Go to chapter 1 with me and look at verse 13. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he says, I promise that this power isn't a one-time thing. This power will continue through the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful thing this is when we have the Holy Spirit in our life, that the power of God flows freely in that sense. It enables us to, to experience the surpassing power. It enables us to, to experience and produce the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control, faithfulness, and gentleness. All these fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is something we possess as, and, and produce as we have the power of God because I can't do those in my power. Have you tried? It don't work. It takes the power of God to even do the simple fruit of the Spirit. You know, how, if we have this power as believers, why don't we experience it all the time? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we quench the Holy Spirit, the very source of the power. You hear me? We quench the Holy Spirit. It's like the, I was watering my plants. And, oh, don't look at the roses over there. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I've never really took care of plants before, and so I'm learning. But I'm watering, and I got my water hose out. And all of a sudden, the water just stops. Well, what happened? Got a kink in the hose, didn't I? <laughs> Little, it just folded over and my water stopped flowing. Mm -hmm. Church, it's as simple as that. We got the Holy Spirit flowing through us. And all of a sudden, we put a squeeze on that Spirit and the Spirit stops its flow. We quench the Holy Spirit. How do we quench it? Well, through sin. When we sin, we quench the Holy Spirit because it allows God not to hear our prayer. We see that in Scripture. How else do we quench it? Well, lack of prayer time. We stop communicating with God. That source, that power, it needs communication. We need to communicate with them. How else? Well, I think sometimes we listen to the world and, and, and its advice and, and things more than we listen to the scripture. If you want your power to be slashed and quenched, listen to the world. Because <laughs> you see what that type of power is doing. It's destroying us. 
And that's why I'm so excited that we have access to another power, the only power that makes a difference, the power of God, that we can start seeing some differences here. You know, we should stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. Jacqueline's brother is a little bit of a nerd. Hmm. He's not here. He's got two master's degree in music. If you got a master's degree in music, I don't think you're a nerd. I'm just picking on him. But he, he carries around a tuning fork in his pocket. You know what a tuning fork is. You take it out, it's a little metal thing, and, and you And then you, you match tune with it. There's what you're supposed to do. I don't know what they do. They, they, they say they match tune with it. And then they match the tune. It gets them in tune. Whether you're going to play piano, whether you sing, it gets them in tune. Well, church, I feel like we have a spiritual fork, tuner, whatever you want to call it, tuner, tuning fork. And we need to take our tuning fork and strike it every once in a while. You know what it is? We take our tuning fork and we strike it. We get in the Word of God and that thing starts humming. And then we walk accordingly. We live accordingly. We rejoice in the Lord accordingly. When, when we tune up with the power of the Spirit of God, we tune up with our tuning fork. And let me tell you what happens. We see His power. The same power it took to split those seas. The same power that it took to stand that sun for a whole day. The same power it took for those armies of, of the, 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 the men of, of, of uh, Gideon. The same power it took for them to defeat them. The same power that it took for Christ to raise from the dead is the same power we work in. And I want you to know something, church. I believe this power is doing something in our church. And I believe that this power has the potential to do something even more in our community. And I'm ready to see it. And so I pray that you strike your tuning fork this morning as you hear the word of God. As you've heard it preached. As you've read this morning with me. You listen to that humming that's humming in your ear right now. I pray it never goes away. Listen and respond today. Respond to that humming. Maybe that response looks different for you. Maybe it's accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because you don't have the power today. And you need that power. And so you come to me and you say, I need the power, brother. I know exactly what you mean. You need the power. You come today. Maybe the response looks like, you know, I've just been here on Sunday mornings and I'm really struggling with getting even more faithful. Maybe it's joining a Sunday school class. Maybe it's, it's, it's coming to the Easter egg hunt on Saturday and helping out with these children and intermingling with these families and showing some love. Maybe it's teaching a Sunday school class. Maybe it's teaching the children. Maybe it's something like that. I don't know what this power looks like, but I believe this power is going to do something with us. And I'm excited to see the church. Would you respond to the tuning fork today? Heavenly Father, Lord, we hear your humming. We hear it, Lord Jesus. Lord, it is loud and clear. And Father, I pray that we respond today, Jesus. That as it hums, we might walk according to it, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would, would just respond to whatever it is you're working in our life right now, Father. Because, Lord, you are moving. And, Lord, we are called to join you in that work. And, Lord, there are many places to join your work around this church. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord Jesus, right as I'm speaking, those that are listening, that they would tune up, Lord. We all need a good tuning every once in a while. I know I do. 
Lord, I pray that if there's one in here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, today would be the day that happens. Today is the day of salvation. And I pray that it would come today for that one. Lord Jesus, let us respond to you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.